the Holy Spirit of God. This is a series of teachings on the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of man, and evil spirits. It is important for us to differentiate among the different spirits. In the book of Genesis 2-7 we read, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So in his perfect state, Adam was a living soul. In his fallen state, his soul died. For God said, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. This means that darkness covered his soul. His body continued to live, dependent on the blueprint of the soul, but eventually died with old age or with illness, disease, etc. The veil that stood between the holy and the most holy was now between the soul and the spirit. Job 32 and verse 8 tells us, There is a vital force, a spirit of intelligence in man, and the breath of Almighty gives men understanding. So I truly believe that every man who was made in the image of God and has the breath of God has a spirit of intelligence in him. Job 33 and verse 4 tells us, It is a spirit of God that made me, which has stirred me up, and the breath of the Almighty that gives me life, which inspires me. Take note of the capital S in spirit here. This is God's Holy Spirit. So whenever we see the word spirit with a capital S, it is talking about the Spirit of God. Job 34 and verse 14 says, If God should set his heart upon him, man, and withdraw his life-giving spirit and his breath from man to him, all flesh shall perish together, and man shall turn again unto dust. Numbers 27.16 says, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. So take note in both these scriptures. God is the God of the spirits of men. He also chooses a man through whom he blesses with a transgenerational blessing. This is the anointing upon a man that can be transferred to another by the laying on of hands. But also take note that in both these scriptures, when talking about the spirit of all flesh, the S is a small S and not a capital S. Ezekiel 11.19 tells us, And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of your flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 18.31-32 says, Cast away from you all your transgressions by which you have transgressed against me, and make you a new mind and heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him who dies, says the Lord. Therefore turn, be converted, and live. Ezekiel 36, 26, 28 says, A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. 
I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Please take note that there's a small s in all of these scriptures when talking about the spirit in man, which is the breath of God. The word spirit in the Greek is ruach. It's the same as the Holy Spirit of God. Breath is nishama. It's a puff of air and it's closely related to the life of the soul. Psalms 32 and verse 2 tells us, Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Small s for spirit. This spirit in man is closely related to the life of the soul. Sometimes shown as ruach and at other times it's the breath of the soul. Proverbs 15.13 tells us, A glad heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is broken. Ruach or breath, Proverbs 20.27 The spirit of man, that factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God, is the lamp of God, searching all the innermost parts. This word spirit, the spirit of man in this scripture, is nishama and is closely related to the life of the soul. Proverbs 17.22 tells us, A happy heart is good medicine, and a cheerful mind works healing, but a broken spirit, small s, dries up the bones. Ecclesiastes 8.8 tells us, There is no man who has power over the spirit, to retain the breath of life. Neither has the power over the day of death. There is no discharge in battle against death. Neither will wickedness deliver those who are its possessors and given to it. So man cannot decide his to own the breath of God. God decides when it is time to withdraw his breath from man. And we notice that man does not have power over the spirit to retain that breath within him. That breath comes directly from God. But the S in that spirit is small letter. Isaiah 57, 15 to 16 says, For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity and whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I always be wroth. For the spirit should fail before me, and the souls which I have made. So even though Adam could not easily access the spirit of God in him after the fall, God, through his spirit in man, began to process, began a process of reviving the spirit of the humble and the contrite in heart. God declared that he would not be angry forever, lest the spirits of men or the life, the breath of the soul of man should fail before God. 
for God made our souls and it is God's breath in our souls anyway to keep us alive. Isaiah 63, 10-11 But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Capital letter S. Therefore he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people, saying, Where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit, capital letter S, within him? So it is clear, according to the above scripture, that God did put his Holy Spirit in Moses. Question is, why would God destroy his people after bringing them out of Egypt and captivity to destroy them again? Well, from God's side, he was not willing to destroy his people, whom he saved with his right hand of righteousness. From man's side, man rebelled against the Holy Spirit, vexed and irritated his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he became their enemy. And this was the result of man's doing, not God's. Judges 9.23 God sent an evil spirit, small letter S, between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. So the Holy Spirit is not an evil spirit. He is the Holy Spirit of God. And he is the spirit, the very life of God. Evil spirits are fallen spirits who are still subject to God for his work. Therefore the Bible tells us that these spirits work in the sons of disobedience. Remember that God has no equal, nor does he have any rival. The devil is not his adversary. God can use angels, fallen angels, the devil, when he wants to, and they simply obey him. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 23 tells us, But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit tormented and troubled him. Spirit of the Lord is capital S. Saul's servant said to him, Behold, an evil spirit from God, small s, torments you. Let our Lord now command your servants here before you to find a man who plays skillfully on the lyre, And when the evil spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. Now note, even though this evil spirit from God doesn't mean that God is an evil spirit, but God can use a spirit that is evil, is upon you and he will play it and you will be well. Saul told his servants, find me a man who plays well and bring him to me. Well, one of the young men said, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who plays skillfully, a valiant man, a man of war, prudent in speech and eloquent, an attractive person, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and served him. Saul became very fond of him, and he became his armor-bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he pleases me. And when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, David took a lyre and played it. 
So Saul was refreshed and became well, and the evil spirit, small s, left him. So the possibility of the Holy Spirit departing is a reality. In this case, an evil spirit from God replaced the Holy Spirit. God is not evil, but he can use an evil spirit because the devil obeys him and is a servant to God. Disobedience in any form can spell disaster for a child of God. 1 Samuel 18.10 The next day an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul, and he raved madly in his house, while David played the lyre with his hand, as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. 1 Kings 22.21-23 Then there came forth the spirit of whom I am about to tell, and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go forth and be a lying spirit in the mouths of all his prophets. The Lord said, You shall entice him and succeed also. Go forth and do it. So the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all these prophets, and the Lord has spoken evil concerning you. Now this was to deceive Ahab because of his evil heart. The evil spirit was ever ready to entice Saul. The devil will do anything to cause the children of God to rebel just like himself against God. Then he can accuse them and bring a penalty on them. It is not God wanting to send an evil spirit on man, but man's actions will justify. Man's disobedience will cause an evil spirit to demand to act in his life. Psalms 139, 7-12 says, Where could I go from your spirit, or where could I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the night shall be the only light about me, Even the darkness hides nothing from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Notice a capital S for the Spirit of God. This is the very presence of God. Take note that the presence and Spirit of God is not restricted to heaven. God's Spirit is also in the place of the dead, in the sea, even in the darkness. One can never hide from the Spirit of God. He will find you out. This also tells us that the devil and hell are not hidden from God either. Therefore, if the Spirit of God dwells within us, we can walk in absolute victory over the forces of darkness and over everything this world meets out to us. Holy Spirit is really our victory. The Holy Spirit is the key to a successful life. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God dwelling in us to take us on a journey to completion and perfection in Christ.
the Holy Spirit of God. Let's look at the Old Testament and see the workings of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit in creation. The book of Genesis chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3 tells us, The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now firstly, it's the Holy Spirit who brings order into a chaotic state. We also see how the Holy Spirit acts on the word that is released from the mouth of God. He activates the word and watches over the word to perform it. There is a very close relationship between the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Word of God is the blueprint and the pattern, the constitution of God, by which everything is created and made up. The Holy Spirit is the power who causes that Word to become alive. Number two, the Holy Spirit and the Word. Psalms 138 and verse 2 tells us, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. Isaiah 55, 11 tells us, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect, useless. But it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. So in order to walk in victory, one needs to present to the Holy Spirit the Word of God. This is so because the blueprint of God's Spirit is Word, and His Word is Spirit. Jesus himself said in John 6:63, It is the Spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh that I have been speaking to you or the words that I've been speaking to you. The book of John 663. The book of John 663 tells us, it is a spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There is no profit in it. The words, the truths that I have been speaking to you are spirit and life. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us, Yet to us God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit, for the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. It is therefore necessary for us to have the perfect agreement in our thoughts and our words. Herein lies the victory in the ideal position of agreement. The Bible tells us in Matthew 15, 8, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts hold off and are far away from me. Sadly, mankind has learned how to live with double standards, speaking what we do not believe and believing what we do not speak. 
Herein lies the failure to secure an agreement. Actually, one needs to bring an agreement in three major areas, in purpose, in thought, and in action, or in thought, word, and action. It is possible to live and continue in three different realms, thinking differently, speaking differently, and doing differently. However, this will not give us victory in life at all. Therefore, when we are led by the Spirit of God, we are led to think, to speak, and to do the same things. This is perfect oneness and agreement. We sometimes think that oneness is just coming together of a multitude of people. But perfect oneness is created inside of a man. Therefore, it is critical. It is incumbent upon us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our speaking, to lead our thinking, and to lead our doing. The book of 1 John 2.29 tells us, If you know and perceive and are sure that He, Christ, is absolutely righteous, conforming to the Father's will in purpose, thought, and action, you may also know and be sure that everyone who does righteously and is therefore in like manner conformed to the divine will is born, begotten of Him, that is God. Let's look at the Holy Spirit in the lives of men. Firstly, in the Old Testament, we look at Joseph and read in the book of Genesis 41, 37 to 44. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed you all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according unto your word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zafnath Paniah, treasury of the glorious rest, and gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh was looking for a man who was filled with the Spirit of God. He recognized that such a man was valuable and could not be contested. Besides, such a man would be authentic. Joseph was such a man in whom the Spirit of God was. He was honored by the people of Egypt, 
even though they were outside the family of God and they were idolaters. Joseph was clothed in fine linen and prepared in his attire to live like a king, only second to Pharaoh. People were called to bow their knee before Joseph. Joseph was sought out as a ruler just by the recognition of the Spirit of God within him. Today too, the forces of darkness honor and obey the Spirit of God in men and choose to respect them. An example of this is at Gadara, when Legion feared the Lord Jesus Christ and begged for freedom, even though the Lord did not address Legion. Number two, Moses. Numbers 11, 16 to 17 tells us, And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. This is interesting. God tells Moses that he will take of the spirit in him and put it upon the 70 chosen to assist him with the nation of Israel. The spirit upon Moses is the spirit of God. Note that nobody could get involved in the ministry without the spirit of God. Number three, Bezalel. Exodus 31, 1 to 6 tells us, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones to set them and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship and I, behold, I have given with him Aholeb, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. Now the word Bezalel means in the shadow and protection of God. He was called by his name Bezalel. He was filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. The word workmanship is malak, messenger, ambassador, deputy, and angel. The word device is interesting. It means to plait something, to weave something together, to interpenetrate, to account. It's an accounting term, to compute, to think, to regard, to esteem, and to imagine. So we see the workings of the Holy Spirit even in Bezalel and how God would fill him in order to allow him to understand wisdom, knowledge and understanding but also in every kind of workmanship. He became an ambassador and a deputy of understanding how to devise the works of craft, interweave, plait, interpenetrate to think, 
to esteem, to imagine, to knit together the purposes of God and the plans of God. Number four, Joshua. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 9 tells us, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. So the Israelites listened to him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Take note of this golden thread of passing the spirit from one generation to another, from one leader to another, from one father to a son. God does not separate or detach the execution of his purposes with individuals. Therefore, this must become a warning to all those who want to serve God, who want to be involved in ministry, who want to execute the purposes of God on the earth, that we cannot be loners. We need to be attached to those that God has set in our lives. So we see how God allows for a continuity of his will and purpose through all those who are willing to submit to God by honoring their predecessors. It's a principle through which God works for effective transmission and transference. Five, Saul. First Samuel 10 and verse six. Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you will show yourself to be a prophet with them and you will be turned into another man. This tells us that when the spirit of God comes upon a man, he is not the same anymore. Therefore, if there's no change into godliness, then one has to question where, whether one is truly filled with the Spirit of God. 1 Samuel 10.10 10 tells us, When they came to the hill Gibeah, behold, a band of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came mightily upon him, and he spoke under divine inspiration among them. This is in reference to Saul. He was not God's choice for a king, but because of the anointing, of the Holy Spirit. He spoke under divine inspiration. There are things one says that can't be attributed to cleverness, human scrutiny, studies, earthly knowledge, but must be attributed to the Spirit of God. Number six, David. 1 Samuel 16, 13 to 23. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. The Spirit of God came mightily upon his people when anointed with oil. The oil represented the Holy Spirit. They needed a point of contact. We also see that no king or leader was able to go into ministry without first being anointed. Psalms 51, 11 and 12 tells us, Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So the presence of God in David through his Holy Spirit was his power and he knew that. He begs God not to take away his Holy Spirit. Even in his sinful state, he cries out not to leave him. 
without the Holy Spirit. So it means there is a possibility that the Holy Spirit can leave. David talks about a willing spirit. He recognizes that he can never make it without the Holy Spirit. Remember that he was anointed at the age of 16 for kingship. Number seven is Elijah to Elisha. 2 Kings 2.9 And when they had gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Notice again the golden thread. He asked for the spirit that was upon Elijah, but this time double. He knew that this was God's way of transmitting his spirit upon his chosen ones. As we read on, we will see how Elisha did operate in the double, double the miracles, the authority, power. Eight was Daniel. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubles thee, tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and the interpretations thereof. The word Belteshazzar means Lord of the straightened treasure. The spirit of the holy gods is in you. There was a recognition by the king of the divine in the human. Expectation of telling the dream and the interpretation was truly asking for much. And yet Daniel was able to do so only because of the Holy Spirit of God within him, who knows all things.